0: Hey, it's Zach, and you know about First Take, but what about First Take? Her Take, a new podcast hosted by Charlie Arnold, Kimberly Martin, and Shanae Agwumake. They discuss and debate the biggest sports stories and delve into topics about their lives and culture. You can find First Take, Her Take, wherever you get your podcasts.
1: And now, The Low Post.
0: Welcome to The Low Post Podcast, where I am declaring it Mediocre Central Division Team Day, and I wanted to start off by talking about the Chicago Bulls. And there is no one I would rather talk Bulls with than the one and only Nick Friedel, who graduated a couple years ago from what I termed the Bulls suck beat onto the Warriors beat. And I'm just thrilled to see your face, Mr. Friedel. How are you doing?
2: It's great to be with you, buddy. And I tell you this, in the old days, when we used to be able to go to arenas and we'd see fans and people are, are still, two and a half years later, trying to adjust to me with the Warriors because I was in Chicago for so long. It definitely happened a few times where somebody would scream out of the stands, hey, Friedel, thanks for uh, getting off the bull suck beat. Yes! <laughs> we're, we're happy you made it out. <laughs> and they'd send me, like, the, the Shawshank gifs. So, uh, I always appreciated that you uh, you dubbed it that and it it clearly resonated with a few folks.
0: Well, let me let me just tell people right now. I can we're, we're on basically a, a fancier Zoom for audio called Squadcast. And I can see you and I can see your apartment and here's what I see in the background that I know that Nick Friedel is living his best life out in the Bay Area. I see on the countertop of your kitchen the following items all next to each other. Number 1, bottle of vodka Number two, bottle of red wine, in case it was one of those nights. Number three, and this is really the coup de gras. Is it coup de gras? Whatever the coup is, not the bad coup, the good coup. The coup de gras, a box of Honey Nut Cheerios, which is frankly so juvenile that I love it. And Honey Nut Cheerios, for me, a 43-year-old man remains an elite cereal.
2: Uh, nothing says 37 years old and single quite like the rundown (laughs) that you just gave on my (laughs) counter there. Uh, And after being in Orlando, I went home. uh, I, I I was staying with my family for a couple months, and I just got back to San Francisco a few weeks ago. Zach, after seeing all the diapers in my friend's future, and after their wives would yell at them, they'd lean over to me, and they're saying, stay away from this as long as you can. So I think I have really taken that to heart in my first few uh, weeks back in the Bay area. And, and you're getting a glimpse of exactly what my life is like on most nights when my friends appear.
0: I love it. Um, Well, here's why I wanted to talk about the bulls because this is the freaking Chicago bulls, Nick. And I don't need to tell you this. This is one of the marquee franchises in all of professional sports. And yet, Nobody talks about them other than like, is Zach Levine going to be an all-star? Zach Levine, Zach Levine. How many times is a Bulls Twitter account going to tell me to do a hashtag whatever vote for Zach Levine? The biggest thing that has happened to the Bulls since Derrick Rose blew out his knee in the 2012 playoffs is the airing of a documentary about the 1990s, okay? That's that's where we are with the Chicago Bulls. This is the sleeping giant of NBA franchises. They have an interesting, I think we can agree, an interesting collection of young players. Kobe White, Zach Levine, Lowry and Wendell Carter Jr., the recently number drafted number four. Pat Williams, they have a new coach in Billy Donovan. Um, they are 7-10. They are 17th in offense and 26th in defense. Uh, but they have been... Not quite Wizards, Grizzlies, or not not quite Wizards level ravaged by virus and related protocols, but they have missed a lot of their guys for a lot of time. Sadoransky missed games, Markkanen missed games. And I just want to talk about them because I feel like we should talk about the Bulls more. And so, Mr. Friedel, I'm just going to open the floor for you. All these young players, is going to be a free agent this summer. No extension. Wendell Carter Jr. is hurt again. By the end of this injury, he will have missed essentially half of his NBA games. Levine is scoring the bejesus out of the ball again. And, you know, the other parts of his game we can talk about. Pat Williams looks pretty damn good. What is what, is, what's, what is this team? Where are they going? What's interesting about them? What What is this going to look like in two years?
2: This team right now is going nowhere. And the reason I say that is because In order to win in this era of the NBA, you have to have a star. The Bulls don't have a star. Now, whether Pat Williams can turn into that kind of star over time, we'll see. But, Zach, when you you read off the roster there, you have some nice young pieces, but you don't have, at least in my opinion, any guy to build around that you know for sure is going to be that much better down the line. I always like Wendell Carter, but he continues to get hurt. That's a problem. I was at that game in Madison Square Garden when Lowry Marketing dropped like 35-17 and in his rookie year, and everybody went, this is the guy. The Bulls thought he was a piece, that that he was a cornerstone building block, and he, he just got into his own head, and he's just not the same player that he showed to be. And then you get to Levine, and to me, he's always been basketball's designated hitter. When he gets hot and he can get rolling, He's great offensively, but there is a reason when you look at the numbers why he is always on teams that lose. He just does not impact winning that much. And uh, for all the improvements I think he is owed credit for in his own game, I think he's a little better defensively, and he's a little better passer than he was a few years ago. Uh, He still turns the ball over like crazy. And he's not the number one or number two guy on any team that's ever going to go anywhere. So all those things being said, this group has some intriguing pieces, but this group is not a team that I think is uh, is going to do anything special until it starts moving uh, even more of these guys in the future. But the the most important thing to me about the Bulls is that they finally have a real coach again. And you bring in Billy Donovan, and he's trying to, to set the culture uh, with, with Arturis and Eversley, and, and they seem to be in lockstep in the plan they want to have in place. But to me, no matter what you talk about the roster right now, the fact that they have a real coach in Donovan and somebody that the rest of the organization believes in is critical to whatever they do moving forward.
0: Well, and you mentioned the new front office and they have runway and they have time. And so I would not expect any, this is an evaluation year, I think for them, and we'll see what their evaluations find. But I think even next year, one of the pieces that we mentioned, I would bet against all of them being on the Bulls again next year. What I would bet on one of them, at least moving. And in two years, the team could look a lot different as they get more information. Let's start with Markkanen who I think on the surface is having a sneaky bounce back year. 18.5 points per game on 48% shooting, 38% from deep, 60% on twos. He looks more mobile. He's getting buckets around the rim in, in, in the ways that he did when he was rolling. He's There's always like two weeks in every season when Lowry Markkinen lights the world on fire. And it, 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 he's had buckets like it, he has in those two weeks. And yet, it just kind of feels like he's just a guy like he's just solid. It's not going to pop like they expected. Part of the reason is, you know, I was watching the Celtics against them the other night and they put their centers on Pat Williams and they had Tatum on marketing and, and, one of the hesitancies that Billy Donovan told me about putting Markin in its center with Thaddeus Young, he told me before the season, well, it doesn't really do us any good because teams just put their centers on Thaddeus Young because he can't shoot, and they put their fours on Lowry Markin. And so he has no speed advantage that you would think you would get by putting him at center. The Celtics went one step further and was like, we, we, we don't even care what the assignments are. We're just putting a wing on Lowry Markin and we're putting a center on Pat Williams. And so I think the league as it gets smaller and more mobile and smarter, gets tougher and tougher and tougher for Markkanen to become the kind of player that people thought he was going to become. Part of that is he still doesn't look super comfortable posting up guards when people switch on him in the pick and roll. And sort of that was always the next step, right? Is he's going to be a high volume screen setter. And like Dirk, if you put a 6'4 guy on him at the nail, he's going to punish that guy. We just haven't seen that. So his impending free agency... I think is the first big pivot point for the new Arturus eversley regime. Do you trade him now to get out ahead of it? Do you bet on, well, we can re-sign him at a number that we can trade later if it comes to that because we still kind of like him? He is averaging 18 and a half points per game. He has had a sneaky good season. I think that's the first sign of how this regime is going to operate is what they do with Marking and Ann at the deadline.
2: I agree with you completely. And if it's me, I'm moving him now. Because I've talked to enough people that I trust over time and and I've watched Lowry uh, since the time he came into that building. I just don't get the sense that they, they really love him to sign him to a deal. It's like they've been dating for a while. Anybody who's been in this kind of relationship knows you've been dating for a while and you're just not sure if you really want to, to give up the ring and, and make that full commitment. And, and I don't it,
0: I don't think they got particularly close on extension no, talks. No, no, at no, all. no.
2: I I don't think they did either. And when you watch the way he's performed the last couple of seasons, it's just not a bet that I'd be willing to make. And so if you know that and you come to that conclusion, well, uh, let's see what what you can get in return and see if you can move forward in that direction. But Zach, to me, the biggest thing with Lowry was never that he didn't have the talent or he couldn't uh, adapt at some point over his time in the league. It's the, it's the confidence. He went from a guy who knew exactly what he was doing on the floor and knew he could dominate at times when he got rolling to a guy that just seemed lost. And how much of that is on Boylan and, and dating back to the Hoiberg at the end and, and the inability of the coaching staff to really bring the most out of him. I think there's a lot of blame to go around, but Lowry's got to look in the mirror. I mean, if he wants the, all the money that it it appears that he does, he just has never proven to be that kind of player. And you look at the numbers and like you said, he's having a nice year and you think, all right, maybe he can't turn it around, but turning around into what, because if you're going to pay him, you're going to pay him to deliver every night. And that was the biggest issue with Lowry all along in his bulls tenure. Some nights he would be great, and you'd be like, this is a guy. And some nights he would just completely disappear, and you would think, what the hell is going on? And all those questions that built up over time continue to be the same thing internally, I think, for for a group that always really wanted to love him but was never convinced that he could reach that next step.
0: And I, I, like you, Really like Wendell Carter and was super excited to see him this year um, in a defensive system that was a better fit for him, frankly. Although I thought he hung in in Boylan's super, super duper hyper aggressive thing last year. Um, and he was going to shoot threes. Wendell Carter started shooting threes, shoot more long two. He's going to be involved in the offense after last year. It was like they were playing four on five with him on off. He yeah. wouldn't even look at the basket. At all. and 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 he's been okay and now he's hurt again and the longer he's just okay the more you're like i think i might have to modulate my hopes for wendell carter jr maybe he's just a solid starting center and that's it and which is by the way fine solid starting center maybe it's a great outcome even at the number seven pick that's that's a nice outcome um but more broadly you zoom out and it's just like what is the organizing principle of this team And it's a question that you could ask really almost ever since Derrick Rose got hurt. And certainly from the minute they traded Jimmy Butler, which we now should talk about because that looms as that trade gets more interesting and looks like more of a flashbulb moment the further we get away from it, which is rare. It becomes, it looms even larger with every passing day. And if you just look back at what they did, it's just like you. you, Paul Gasol, well, wait, wait, we missed on Carmelo, here comes Paul Gasol, okay, we don't spend any of our cap space in 2016, because we're being smart, but wait, Dwayne Wade's available, Rajon Rondo's available, three alphas, baby, let's go, three alphas, and we're up 2-0 against Boston, and then all, it all falls apart, okay, Tibbs is out, Hoiberg's in, Jimmy's out, Boylan's in, what, like what what? like Of course, there's no organizing principle because they've just been it, it, crazily chaotic all over the place. And the other reason there isn't an organizing principle is through all that rigmarole. Jabari Parker's here all of a sudden for some reason. Uh, through all that rigmarole, rigmarole, that's what it is, rigmarole, they haven't found someone to organize an offense. And that's where Levine, look, Zach Levine, you, he's top five in scoring right now. He's sniffing 50-40-90. Like, I don't care what you, I mean, I care what your other flaws are. If you're averaging 26 a game in the NBA and, and sniffing 50, 40, 90, you are a damn good offensive player. Maybe you're miscast in your current role, but if you can do that, you've got something going for you. But, and you nailed it already, he leads the league in turnovers. He has 90 assists and 73 turnovers. And that's just the story every year. That ratio is too close to one to one, every year. And he's a four to five assist guy. And that's it. Kobe White is super young, but he does not look like a a prototypical NBA point guard. Let's put it that way. Certainly not an organizer of an offense. So when you zoom out and look at all the directions that they've pivoted in the last five years, and look at all of the people that they have tried out as lead ball handlers or organizers of an offense since they traded Jimmy Butler... It's it's not surprising that you look at their team as more of a mishmash of semi-interesting pieces and less of a team.
2: The structure is, is has been gone for a long time. And Zach, you laid it out perfectly. In fact, my my PTSD kicked in from Yeah, yeah you the, win, you
0: winced at one point.
2: Of of all those moves, I like I all I heard in my head is as you we were going through all those different phases of Bulls basketball was Gar always saying all these teams are stupid because they're spending all this money and we're going to have all this cap space. And then, you know, you sign Felicio for thirty two million over four years and you, you sign the alphas after you're, you're you say we're going to go younger and get more athletic. And, and everyone is like, can we dude. just
0: stop for a second? What? The, th- the three alphas.
2: <laughs> what a moment in time
0: is the stoop is the worst nickname. It's the worst nickname. It's it's awful. And I just forgot until you brought it up right now that not only was the nickname awful, they had a whole Instagram fight about the way that some of the alphas treated the young players and one of the alphas disagreed with it. It's really, when I make, when I lobby the Hall of Fame to create my Hall of Fame absurdity wing, the three alphas are going to be in there somewhere, and there's going to be a screenshot of the Instagram where Rondo
2: is mad at Wade and Butler. I, 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 oh, my gosh. I, I, my, my, my head is going in a million different directions. I, I, I need to bring up, just for context, how truly, truly bizarre that whole night was where Jimmy and Wade shredded the absolute you-know-what out of all the younger guys in that room. I believe they were playing the the Hawks, and they absolutely blew a lead late uh, in the fourth quarter. Mr. Lowe, Jimmy and Wade walk into the shower together and obviously were kind of figuring out what their message was going to be when they they spoke to the media. (laughs) And and it was really, really quiet in there because nobody else really wanted to talk. They just blown another game. Everybody's in a bad mood. Wade comes out and utterly destroys uh, the younger guys. The younger guys don't want it. We can't make them want it. On and on and on. Jimmy, he says, and then and then he says to us, "Hey, walk over to Jimmy's locker. I think he's got something to say." And so then Jimmy uh, goes into his spiel. Yeah, the younger guys got to care more. They, they don't care enough. The next twenty-four hours were truly something because you've got like. Uh, the the Jeremy Grants and and the other guys on the team, Bobby Porter Jerry, Jerry
0: and Grant. Jerry and Grant.
2: J- Jerry and Grant, right. Excuse me. So they come out, and I remember a couple guys were tweeting like, hey, we, we put in all the time in the world. But what is, is so interesting about that moment in time is that the next day, so Rondo rips the hell out of him in the Instagram post. And there was uh, KG – in a Pierce picture my vets would never do this the next day they have this meeting and they go into this meeting and the story that's been explained to me a few times is everybody is asked to to say something to kind to kind of clear the air and this turns into all these younger guys just shredding Dwayne Wade you don't practice. You don't. You don't get to tell us what to do. You can't. You can't say that kind of stuff and then just back away. And and these guys are saying we looked up to you. We wanted to play with you. We wanted you to be that mentor. And this was what what I remember Gar especially hammering home. Dwayne Wade is going to help our younger guys, and he's going to be uh, the role model for our younger guys. And here are all these younger guys in the Bulls locker room who looked up to him and were just crushing him uh, throughout this meeting. And then Taj Gibson comes out to the media later and said, yeah, younger guys made it clear they want Dwayne to practice more. But that was the beginning of the end. That whole thing was a disaster. But I distinctly remember that whole uh, whole quick span because it was the beginning of already what you figured was a failed era. And And not only have they not recovered, if we're being honest, Zach, since since Derek's injury. But from that moment in time, to go from we're going to go younger and more athletic to you sign Wade and Rondo to uh, we're not sure that Jimmy can be the guy. We don't want to pay him. We don't think he can be that star. He's gone. They've just been spinning around and around and around from that point on.
0: Well, let's focus on that because that is – the defining decision that their franchise has made in the last 10 years probably was at age 28 deciding we want out of the Jimmy Butler experience. We don't want to pay him the super max. We don't want to pay him the max. We just don't think he's the guy. And we traded him for the pick that became Lowry and Chris Dunn, Zach Levine, and basically the ability to tank another year and get another high pick, which turned into just the number seven pick in Wendell Carter Jr. So there's your fork in the road. Here is your fork in the road. Jimmy Butler, Nikola Miritich, all your picks and some cap flexibility in the summers of 2017 and 2018 versus Levine, Dunn, Markkinen, another high pick, etc. They looked at those two forks and said, we think the second fork. Now, we think the second fork has more championship equity in it than the first one. Okay, now, were there other confounding factors that went into that trade, including them being um, a little tired of what they perceived as Jimmy's personality issues, which have been totally embraced in Miami by the way they made the freaking finals last year? Mm -hmm. Um, Yes, but that was the main driver of that decision as I understood it. Path A, Butler, Miritich, all our picks, cap space. Path B, all this other stuff that's complete uncertainty. Unmolded clay, we have no idea what it is, but that unmolded clay somewhere in there is the chance that one of those high picks or Levine pops into a superstar or two of them do or three of them pop into really good players, maybe not superstars. And that's our path to 55 wins. This other path, pretty good. We just think it probably tops out at 50 wins and a couple second round playoff exits. On the surface, thinking that the path they took has more championship equity it's not crazy. In fact, it may have actually been correct. Um, it hasn't it, it, in theory, at least now the pieces haven't turned out to be what they wanted, especially done. Who's not even there anymore. Um, and we've just already talked about marketing and Levine, but that's not a, that's not a crazy wrong on its face bet to make. Um, because I think really in the end, and I wrote this once in a column. Probably the uh, the end game, the most. Le- if you put all the possible end games along a continuum for both of those paths, probably the most populous part of that continuum is like both teams top out at pretty good and you never yeah. win a championship. You never make the finals. Both teams top out is pretty good. So let's go with the one that is maybe has more uncertainty built into it. But some of that uncertainty leads us in happy directions. The bet just hasn't worked. Jimmy was better than they thought. And I look back at that and say... Boy, if they had had Jimmy and and maybe Miritich, the situation doesn't go haywire with Portis and all that, and they hit a couple draft picks because they have a decent drafting record. Um, that that path is is pretty viable, and at least I have an identity. At least I have a tentpole star in Jimmy Butler, but they decided they didn't want that, and you can quibble with the decision. Everyone has, and and Jimmy's just Jimmy's just better than
2: that regime thought he was. No doubt, and and Zach, I think it's crucial here to point out that on top of the fact they weren't sure that Jimmy was the number one star on a title team and did not want to give him the super max that that would have entailed, they had grown tired of Jimmy. I mean, that is a reality. Jimmy with the Bulls, it's so difficult because it just never happens to go from the worst guy on the team, the last guy on the bench, to the number one guy. And so many people in the organization really loved Jimmy. They had grown to respect him, but they just thought that – uh, his his ego had kind of gotten out of control. And they were like, why are we going to, to get into this long-term relationship knowing that we're not sure that he's that guy and we're not sure that he can be the leader for the younger players? And And this is where Miami, uh, having talked to Eric Spolster about a plenty, was willing to make that bet. Uh, but I go back to the Bulls trying to decide which path, that they were gonna take and you laid out both scenarios. And this is where I think the front office and especially Mike Reinsdorf, the owner, or, or the guy who's running the show, Jerry Reinsdorf, his dad is still the owner, but Mike is, is running things day to day. They, they really messed up in sticking with what they had coaching wise. Because I, I like Fred Hoiberg immensely as a, as a guy. I think he's a, a great man uh, and, and and he's a really nice guy. But as a pro coach, he just never had control of, of that room. They, they never respected him the way that you need to in order to win at a high level.
0: In fairness to Fred, they also never put him in position
2: to succeed. Never. In fact, they put him Absolutely. in position
0: in position to fail year after year after year by changing. We want to be pace and space, but here's all these guys who can't shoot. But, but, it's but just, here's it's just, just Wade
2: and Rondo. <laughs>
0: yeah, they, well, now we're going to trade Jimmy. It was just, they just never gave him, They. I don't know if Fred Hoiberg is a good NBA coach. And for, I, I, when he got fired, I wrote, if you think you know, kudos to you. I'm a little alarmed by the level of confidence you have in yourself because they just gave him a different, a wildly different team every single year and said, okay, work with this.
2: Zach, you are right, and that is crucial because anybody who defended Fred, and there were plenty of people in the, the organization who, at the end, were still defending Fred, saying he never got a fair shake. They would tell you that. I think Fred's biggest flaw... What was their fault? Of, well, exactly, but Fred's biggest flaw was that how much he trusted Gar. And that relationship has been well-documented. Uh, the, the, you know, the Gar bought Fred's house when he left Chicago. They have been... Or or they were very close, or not? They're not very close at all. But Gar was always selling Fred. All it takes is for you to come in here. Everybody was sick of Tibbs, which uh, the thing, the Tibbs thing has been played out. But uh, the difference was that nobody ever thought that that uh, Tibbs was a phony, and not that Fred Hoiberg is a phony, but certainly Jim Boylan, plenty of people in that organization thought was a huge phony. And this ties into not only Fred, uh, but Fred just didn't, didn't have that personality that was going to, to get in guys' faces and, and get everybody rallying on the same page. And then to move from Fred, who just never fit, and certainly they, didn't, they did him no favors with the roster, to go to Jim Boylan. I mean, Zach, in all the years I've been doing this, and, and I was in Chicago for so long, never in my life have I ever heard so many people inside an organization – absolutely crushing the, the coach while the coach was still there. And, and people were so tired of Tibbs at the end, and there was fault on both sides of that. But nobody was ever like, Tibbs is a huge phony. No matter what you thought of Tom Thibodeau, you knew he was putting in the work every day. You knew it wasn't like a political game going back and forth. And what is stunning to me, and again, I think this goes beyond Garn Pax, is Garn Pax knew early on, If they're being honest, they knew early on Fred Hoiberg wasn't a fit. But Fred Hoiberg had a five-year, $25 million deal that the Ryan Soares weren't keen on just unloading and and paying off over time. They didn't put the right pieces around him, but they knew he wasn't a fit, and they let him probably stay a little longer than they should have. To go from Fred Hoiberg to Boylan, who up and down that organization, people really disliked, and they grew to dislike him even more. For Mike Reinsdorf to continue to support him the way he did, and continue, and they gave him that contract extension, it is stunning to me the failure at the highest levels of the organization there to to keep a guy that so many people in your own organization couldn't stand—players, uh, staff members, uh, all, all up and down—and that's where. We're we're talking about the forks in the road. That's where, to me, the Bulls really went wrong. Because you trade Jimmy, history is not going to look too kindly on that deal with what he's done in Miami. But to keep the coaches in place that you did and to keep Gar and Pax in place, as you saw the roster just continue to erode the way it has, that all goes to Mike Reinsler. So for as much praise as he deserves for finally cleaning house and spending the money that it takes – to get the Billy Donovans and Arturis and Eversley in there and changing everything up, he also deserves a a ton of blame for maintaining the culture the way it was for so long.
0: Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. Shame on you, by the way. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day, whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement Mother's Day is May 12th. That's very soon. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for your mom easy this year. Head to macy's.com slash giftfinder today. That's macy's.com slash giftfinder. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call or click Granger.com or just stop by. Let's look forward. We already hit on Levine. My favorite thing Levine does, frankly, is A, his shot making is ridiculous. B, his baseline backdoor cutting is dynamic. And it just goes to the fact that if he were the second or third option at an offense, you'd really have something special, perhaps. Um, their best shot at a, well, I don't know if it's their best shot at a superstar but we don't know what Pat Williams is going to be. There are upside possibilities for him that are massive and there are regular old outcomes where he just becomes a good player. But he's only 19. He's, I believe he's the youngest American player in the NBA. And so who knows what he's going to be, but he's exciting. We should mention Otto Porter, for whom they traded the aforementioned Jabari Parker. I don't know what happened to Otto Porter, but it has not worked out. He looks it hasn't so, been good. <laughs> he looks so slow right now that he basically has to be a four when he when he was initially thought of as their small forward of the future. Um, so let's zoom out and let's ask this one last question, Mister Friedel, do you think that these Bulls in this new regime could be a sneaky Bradley Beal team if if the Wizards and or Bradley Beal get to the point where it's time. And from everything I've heard in the last 48 hours, despite every night seemingly there being a different photo of Bradley Beal in a different frustrated pose on the bench at the end of a blowout, Wizards lost. Sometimes he's slouching. Sometimes he's leaning back. Whatever it is, it's there's a whole portfolio of that. You can make an Andy Warhol like just Bradley Beal frustrated at the end of games. Um, I don't. Despite all that, no one, there's been nothing so far. There's been no movement. There's been no indication. Everything is, is status quo. He's on the Wizards. They're going to get their team back. They're going to see what they have. Okay, if and when that, if that changes, not even when, just if that changes. We all know who the obvious suspects are, right? Denver, Philadelphia, to a lesser extent, the Warriors, the Pelicans have a million picks. The Timberwolves have some interesting stuff. All the sneaky Harden teams or non-sneaky Harden teams will be the Beal teams. I think Bradley Beal is young enough at age 27, that someone in the following bucket of of middle-of-the-road teams is going to kick the tires hard on Bradley Beal, having just seen that, hey, if we put all our draft equity in, we can get in the game. Orlando, Charlotte, Chicago, New York, San Antonio, Sacramento. Now, are all those teams going to kick the tires? No, but if you don't think that they have all started internally spitballing about it, you are wrong. If you don't think some of them have started to sniff around the edges of the Beal situation and see, hey, is there something there for us? Could we get involved? You are wrong. That process is beginning. Now, I think all of those teams are probably unlikely because you'd have to give up everything to get Beal. And none of them would be in a position to win or even sniff the finals with Beal in the aftermath of those trades. And he can be a free agent after next season his next deal is going to be huge you have it would help if you're going to risk everything to be in a position to win right away that said all of those teams are varying degrees of rudderless and it, there is some appeal in talking about the bulls having no organizational identity there is some appeal in well that's our organizational identity we found it we'll still have some talent left over we're in a market that's attractive We can build with him because he's only 27. We don't have to be in the finals right away. Um, You see any of that with the Bulls? Any possibility of that?
2: Yes, and here's why. And it's crucial in any Beal conversation. It's that relationship with Billy Donovan dating back to the Florida ties. And people have talked about it, and Beal has tweeted about it, and and you just can tell that there is – a familiarity there now is it something that will enable the Bulls to land him and and deal off all the pieces it would take to make that move we're gonna see the the issue to me Zach is even if you're the Bulls and you make that move and you add all the pieces that you would need to to land Beal in Chicago what's the difference between Beal in Chicago then and Beal in in Washington with the Wizards
0: and that's why I think
2: all of these teams are not likely to take the risk in the end,
0: particularly the smaller market ones. Who, if you put all your, like a, if you put, if like a Charlotte puts all their draft equity in to get Bradley Beal and it doesn't work. And, and by the way, you're not doing that if you're any of these teams without some assurance from Bradley Beal that he's going to resign, right? So you've got no that doubt. semi as locked in as you can get it without running a foul of tampering rules. Um, still, if it goes sideways and you've in your Charlotte or Orlando or San Antonio and no free agent is ever coming to you and you've traded all of your picks, you just can't take that risk. It's just too big of a risk. And for Chicago, I think they, they would, they would be able to talk themselves into having an identity and they would probably have someone would be left around, whether it's white or marketing or Carter, there'd be somebody there. Williams would probably, well, who knows the wizards will ask for everything. No doubt. Um, uh, you know, they could talk themselves into it. But yes, the talent on hand would not be such that they could win right away. And when you look at the money that Brad's going to make on his next contract, those first few years are the ones where you really want to be in position to win. So I would bet heavily against the Bulls doing it. This front office seems pretty cautious in that regard. But uh, all of these teams are going to have at least internal conversations about it because Brad Beal is 27. He's leading the league in scoring. He's an absolutely sensational player.
2: If it's me and I'm the Bulls, Zach, I'm making that move because I am rolling the dice. You can only go so long trying to build up pieces when you you all know deep down underneath that you don't have a star. Bradley Beal is absolutely that star, and if you trust the front office to make moves around him moving forward and you trust that Beal and Donovan have a legit relationship that they can build off of, if I'm the Bulls and I'm ready to take a swing finally – then that's the swing I'm going to take because let's go back real quickly in time. The last big signing this team made was Carlos Boozer. Truly. I mean, that was the guy after missing out on LeBron, Wade, Bosh, and thinking at, We're not, at some Powell? point. Pow? No. no. <laughs> Pal made
0: an all-star team. Did he make two all-star teams with the Bulls? I think he, he definitely did.
2: He definitely made one, and then Gar said, Pow's a part of our, our future core. And everybody went, he, he what? <laughs> How old is Pal?" So... I, they, they need a star desperately in, in to, to bring it all full circle. You and I could not be in more agreement about this. The Bulls are absolutely the sleeping giant of the NBA. That team in that town, when they are good and they are relevant, is something to behold. And whether p- younger players understand that fully, having watched all the Michael stuff, uh, th- they should know now that if you go to Chicago and you win – you will be beloved till the end of time, and they have been so irrelevant nationally for so long that if I'm them and you're trying to to find a way back into the conversation, for right now I think Beal is your way back into what you would need to get into that uh, that daily excitement that would come with having a star and being able to build around him long term.
0: I don't. I, I bet against it just because this the Arturus regime seems cautious. They have time. They do have the pieces to, to, to make a deal. I just I, I bet against it, but I you know it's it's interesting. And again, to be clear, Bradley Beale really wants to win in Washington. He''s he's, he's, at, he's loyal. He works his ass off. like there's nothing actually happening right now. I'm just projecting forward that at some point, if the losing continues there, there is a point of no return for everybody. And Bradley Beal does deserve a chance in his prime to compete at the highest level. He's competing at the highest level individually. It's ridiculous what he's doing with defenses, throwing four guys on him and daring Isak Banga and Garrison Matthews to beat them. Um, So, uh, but, but, you know, I I just think someone in that group is going to at least take a look at it, but it's, it's a big, big swing. Did we miss any bull stuff? Was there any other bull stuff we wanted to hit on?
2: There's nothing that comes to the top of my mind. I'm still gonna have to go chug Pepto at the end of this. With thinking back to <laughs> all the different moves that have led up to to, to this moment for the the Bulls, but uh, no, it was it was fun. It was fun going back a little bit, and and I hope for for so many people who love that team that they do get things back on track. And I'd say this, Zach. Finally, the Reinsdorf's are spending money. Again, internally, and I think that is a great, great sign when you're trying to, to bring your team out of just the misery that has been the last few years. When you're willing to spend money, uh, it will usually come back in a very positive direction for a team. And it's been so long that uh, the Ryan have spent on the level, not only on the, the product on the floor, but just all throughout the organization. And I think that is really important. And that's been a good move for them.
0: All right, Nick. It's good to see you. That's good to hear. It's good to talk some bulls. We didn't even talk about the leadership council. R.I.P. Leadership oh council. Um, but what, what
2: about the uh, the the punch card when you're coming to work? What about yeah. that one?
0: Yeah, that was a that was a thing. That was a thing. You clock in and clock out, Mister Low. Like Fred Flintstone. Didn't Fred Flintstone do that at the beginning of every episode? Oh. With a stone tablet to clock in, probably a dinosaur bit it or something. Anyway, the Flintstones for the young people was an animated television series that was on TV at one point. Okay, Nick Fredell, I hope I see you soon. Thanks, buddy.
2: Always, my man.
0: Because of the eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes! Catch the clutch hits, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's there up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, Birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons. Watch out for them. You name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call one 800 DirecTV tv or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Our Difference Maker of the Week is brought to you by CarMax, our friends at CarMax. Don't just buy a car, love your car with the new CarMax Love Your Car Guarantee. And this week's Difference Maker, taken from my 10 things I like and don't like column, is the one and only Nikola Jokic, the most watchable, telegenic player in the NBA. He got a little skinnier, and guess what? This Nikola Jokic can dunk. He actually jumps. People joke that he can't jump over a phone book, but this season, Nikola Jokic has already dunked nine times. He only dunked 15 times all of last season. He's even hanging on the rim, kind of trying to do like a a very, very, very poor man Shaq imitation where he raises his knees up and does a little chin up. He got teed up for hanging on the rim against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Nikola Jokic. The best passing big man in league history. A guy so seemingly unathletic that people sort of mock his lack of athleticism, even though he has different sorts of athleticism in his game. Got teed up for hanging on the rim. He might be the MVP frontrunner right now in what promises to be a very crowded MVP race. The Nuggets are plus a lot with Jokic on the floor and minus a lot with Jokic on the bench. He's averaging a triple-double from the center position. So watch Nikola Jokic dunk for the denver nuggets and read the rest of my column 10 things i like and don't like every friday at espn.com
2: all
0: right let's welcome in a special guest someone i'm very excited to talk to and get to know one of the stories of the early season starting guard for the nine and nine surprising cleveland cavaliers the one and only colin sexton how are you sir
1: I doing good I'm doing good we just got back to practice uh so uh, we had a little walk through practice and we got New York tomorrow
0: well the last time you played a New York team you guys made some waves uh so let's start there the Brooklyn Nets new look Brooklyn Nets everyone's so excited about the big three Brooklyn Nets and here comes Colin Sexton 20 straight points 42 a pull-up three in I think Kyrie's face to force either overtime or double overtime. I can't remember. Um, where does that game rank for you on your, on your personal highlight list or because it's, it's Kyrie, it's this new team. Hard, it's, yeah. you guys are kind of an up upstart team. People don't know
1: whether to believe in you guys or not. Like what did that victory mean for you guys? Um, that victory, it meant a whole lot. Um, it, it ranks one of those um games that rank high in my book, but it also ranks high in the team's book. Just the simple fact that we we fought back um um and we went to the two overtimes and we, we finished the game and won. And then also we we did we came back um two days later and won again. So it just pretty much just sticks out to us and just shows that um we can pretty much play and compete with uh, with anyone um as long as we're pretty much just playing together and um, I feel like that's one of those wins that we'll look at um, towards the end of the season. Like, we're glad that we got those wins and um, um, maybe, maybe it make a difference for us. You know what I liked about that shot that you made? I
0: liked your reaction. And specifically, I liked that you looked right at the Nets bench and clapped right in their faces. Do you ever, and I let you have that spunk to you. Do you ever, Is are you just getting caught up in the moment? Do you ever worry like, I'm going to, I'm going to talk a little trash to the wrong guy and it's going to backfire?
1: Oh, no, not at all. Um, I'm always, I'm going to always talk a little bit, um, but I definitely let my game speak for myself. Uh, Jordan was uh, talking a little bit over there on the bench and uh, him and uh, Brown, they was talking a little bit. So I was like, they knew the ball was coming to me and I was, I was ready for the moment. Um, and I wasn't afraid to, to miss the shot. So um, when it's like that, I, I'll take my chances and, uh, and, and shoot at any time. So.
0: Kevin Love told me that he, you and him sometimes during breaks or when you go rest, you'll talk X's and O's during games. And he said, actually, during that game, Colin came out for a, a late, a late rest and we started talking about coverages and exactly what we talked about sort of came to be. So can you take us inside that conversation? Like what was that conversation?
1: Uh well, I think it was like early in the third and fourth, uh probably the fourth at the end of the fourth, and we was just talking about coverages. And I was like, What you see out there? I usually go to Kevin, just the simple fact that um he's been on so many amazing teams and he's um played with so many amazing point guards. So uh, I went to him. I'm like, "What do you see? Like, what matchup do you think I should try to go at?" And he was just like, um, "Try to get the switch here and put the big on the opposite side." So um, I did some of those things, and I was out there, and I was just like, "Man, he he knows the game." And just to just to have Kevin as a vet and um, on the team is big time. It's, he's helped me the last two years, and also this this year, my third year. Um, just having that vet to to lean on. He's a champion. He's a winner. So um it's it's definitely cool when I when I came out the game I just pretty much was talking to him and then I was like man what do you see and then he just he just pretty much just let me know what he's seeing out there and then I was just looking at him all right so when I went out there I seen exactly what he was seeing from from a point guard perspective and uh it it was amazing that's
0: a cool story for me because I don't need to tell you this but you had a remarkably strange start to your NBA career. So six games in your coach gets fired. So welcome to the NBA tie has gone. And about two weeks into your season, this article comes out in, in the athletic saying it turns out veteran teammates don't really think Colin Sexton knows how to play. Don't like playing with Colin Sexton. And so I've, and I've asked some of the people with the Cavs about this. I'm interested to hear your response. If I'm in your shoes, I'm 19 years old. I'm new to the league. LeBron just left. Like All these guys are hurting because LeBron just left. You have champions on this team. I'm trying to make my way. I'm trying to learn point guard, the hardest position in the hardest league. And Man, these veterans who I, I hope they respect me. I'm trying to earn their respect. All this is coming out anonymously so fast in the press that they don't like playing with me. For me, for me, trying to put myself in your shoes, I was like, man, that would have hurt. Like, that would have stung. That would have been hard for me to come back from. Yeah. I, I know what other people in the Cavs said how you came back from it, but what do you remember about it? And what do you remember about sort of dealing with it? It definitely was a tough start
1: for me, just the transition from college going to the NBA. Um, it was tough. And I was just pretty much trying to figure it out. But once I, once I was just I uh, heard like my teammates heard people around. And I just pretty much just started working that much harder. Like I was already working hard, but then I was going to the gym two, three times a day, and I was like, "I'm gonna show them. I'm gonna prove that, that um, I belong. That I'm, um, I'm, I'm here to stay." So uh, I just pretty much just just worked that much harder. I use it as as aggression. I use it as passion. I just wanted to flip it around and use all the things that they said I couldn't do and uh worked on those things so uh my teammates it it definitely hurt a little bit um it hurt a little bit but it just made me like it made me realize that um hey at the end of the day it can be your own people that's that's not with you so uh now i just continue to work so.
0: yeah i talked to some people with the team and they said colin kind of just took it and said yeah. i'm gonna prove everybody wrong i'm not gonna let it intimidate me I'm just going to go forward. And I found that really impressive because these are guys you could have easily been intimidated by and you, and you, you weren't, you used it as fuel, I guess.
1: Yeah, definitely did. Especially like in practice and stuff. I just pretty much just, just turned it up a little bit um and just started playing that much harder. Even, even in practice days that um it was supposed to be just light like walk through, light like little bit of practice. I took it, took it personally. So I definitely did. Obviously. The number one thing people. Oh, by the way,
0: uh, before we move on, Kobe Altman, the GM of your team. I don't know if you know this. He has that article queued up in his phone stored permanently to remember what you fought through and all the and all the growing pains. I thought that was kind of cool. Now, obviously, the number one thing people say about you when I asked them was the guy's an unbelievable worker. Just work, 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 work. He won't have any funny stories for you because all he does is work, work, work. So here's one that I heard that is almost like, is this really true? So this is from your agent, Austin Brown of CAA told me you sign with CAA and then he goes to visit you and you're working out with your dad and you're Mm -hmm. doing this drill. Now, let me, I I want you to tell me if he's describing the drill correctly, you have to make 10 shots in a row from various spots on the floor. And after you get to 10, you have to run like, I don't know how many suicides, but some amount of suicides and then make 10 more. And he's like, okay, that's, that's a pretty hard working drill. That's a pretty hard drill. And he's watching you do it. And I'm like your sixth shot at some spot, you make it, but it rattles in. And he's like, he said, Colin says, Oh man, I, I got to start over. I got to start over. And Austin sitting there saying, well, what do you mean he's got to start over? He made the shot. And, and your dad says, well, he, it, it got a little rim. So he's got to get 10 shots, no rim to complete the drill. Is that true? Yeah, that
1: definitely is true. Um, especially like in the summertime, I try to, I try to pretty much just, just perfect the things that, um, um, that I need to improve on. And that summer was uh, learning how to shoot like the three and being more confident. So um, when I felt like it didn't go in the way I wanted to or it didn't leave my hand the right way, I was like, hey, we got to start over. Um, we got to start over. Uh, that shot may be in the game when I don't have no legs or um, just play three straight possessions on defense against somebody. And that shot might be a miss. So that was going through my mind. So I was like, "Yeah, we gotta start over." Like that, I don't want it just to barely go in. I want to see it like actually go in. I still do it like here. Um, if I feel like the shot it um, doesn't go in the way I want to, or if it just rattles in and stuff like that, i be like, "Hey, Mike G, run it back. Let's let's do it again." And um, he's pretty much just realized like when we have our pregame stuff, he if he sees a shot that that doesn't Scene for me, he's like, yep. He was like, he'll swing me the ball right back because he already knows how I am. Um, I feel like that's pretty much helped me. Let me tell you the secret to my
0: existence. When I make a shot, no matter how it goes in, I pretend it's a swish. I'm as proud of myself as I would Thank be if it were a swish, and I just move on with life. Um, tell me what you remember from your draft workout with the Cavs, your pre-draft workout hmm. with the Cavs, because I can tell you everybody – with the Cavs can remember exactly what day it was, and I wonder if you, know, if you know why that is, and exactly how it went. So tell me what you remember.
1: Well, okay, so I got there um, the day before, and I went to the Cavs versus Warriors game. and um, Game four well, of the NBA Finals. Yeah, <laughs> of the Finals. So um, once they lost, I was like, man, let me go home and get some rest. I know this is going to be a tough one tomorrow. Um, so then I, I get picked up actually when I get picked up and I don't remember who picked me up, but someone picked me up and it was so quiet. Like it was nowhere. It's like, what's up? You're doing good. Like it was nothing when I got in the car. You know, I and to, to be in.
0: clear, this is because game four was the end
1: of the finals. The cats lost the it was, finals. It was, it over. was, yeah, it was the end of the finals. And then, um, once I get to the gym, it was quiet. It was no one in the gym, um, the coaches was in there it was no like talking it was no nothing so when i went through my workout i was like i I gotta boost some energy myself and um i definitely did Uh, i made some shots I started all right let's go let's like let's go pick it up pick it up and i just pretty much just motivated myself because that one-on-oh um draft workouts are definitely tough you got to be in shape you got to be ready to go and um you got to just pretty much have confidence and um i felt like i did that and That was one of my best workouts. I think it was the best workout that I had in um, the rest of history. Well,
0: the people who were there told me, you you would probably understand how depressed we were as an organization because we just lost the finals. We had a pretty good inkling or fear that LeBron was going to leave. And none of us really, I mean, we all wanted to be there to watch Colin work out, but it's kind of like, you know, your heart's not in it the way it would normally be. And he comes in, he's making shots. He's talking trash to some of our coaches. He's just lighting yeah. up the gym. And I, maybe it doesn't mean anything to you. Maybe it means a lot to you. But they say very genuinely, our spirits got lifted by that workout. It made us feel like, OK, we can move on. There's going to be a next step. Maybe we draft this kid. Maybe somebody before us gets him. But this is a kid we like. The spirit is there. It, it really honestly meant something. I, mean, I don't know if you know that, but they talk about it in those kind of terms. Yeah, it definitely
1: – I can definitely tell. Um, like, just being in there, uh, some of the players were there um, as well, and they was, they was motivating me as well. Like, it wasn't down once I started going through the workout. And um energy definitely changed. Um, it was it was quiet in there at the beginning. But once the once we got towards the end of the workout, you can definitely tell the, the mood had swung and um, things definitely had changed. So I can tell you the game in your rookie year where
0: I became – officially a Colin Sexton fan. And because, you know, rookies, you never know. It's hard to project how good rookies are going to be. Your rookie year was up and down. I I wonder if you remember this game. In Philadelphia, March 2019, so toward the end of your rookie year, I'm sitting press row underneath the basket right by the court. The seats in Philly are right by the court. Mm -hmm. You guys sit almost everyone. Kevin's out. Larry's out. Tristan's out. Your starting lineup, I think, is you, Jetty, Ante Zizic, Brandon Knight, and somebody yep. I don't know. Um, I I, who? Oh, maybe it was Blossom Game. Maybe you're right. Yep. And Philly's got everyone: Embiid, Simmons, the whole crew. And so everyone's just like, "This is going to be a throwaway game. What a letdown!" You mm-hmm. score 26 points. You guys are in it until almost the final buzzer. You lose. But what struck me from that game watching you is you are out there talking junk to Joel Embiid, to Ben Simmons trying to crash the glass. And I'm sitting there thinking this dude genuinely thinks he's the best player on the floor and that they should win the game. And I can see it kind of rubbing off on his teammates. So do you remember that game? Yeah, I definitely
1: do remember that game. That game definitely stands out um, for my my rookie year. Um, I I remember that game. Actually, funny, funny story. Uh, Leon Rose was at at the game as well. Uh, And he was like, man. Uh, he was like, you played really good. I thought you was, was going to take it home for us. And um, uh, I remember that just because I felt like I was struggling a few games before, and then I started picking up my rhythm, and then that was the game that just pretty much was like, all right, all right, like, you you can definitely do it, and you can definitely play. And um, that was pretty much helping my confidence and just helping me continue
0: to grow. I mean, the performance, the points, the fact that it was close, that was all impressive. But I really – the longer I cover the league, the more I really believe that there are teammates who, through their spirit and their actions, can galvanize their teams. Like, people can look at – like, I always thought when Russell Westbrook would come out of nowhere and get one of these crazy offensive rebounds, you could Mm -hmm. see his team being like, that was awesome. And you could see the other team just going, oh – and I felt that watching you in that game. Like, yeah, this guy's had some trials and tribulations. The veterans have been up and down on him, but he's got something. And that game, that was – I'll never forget that game. I mean, who? we're probably
1: two of nine people in the world that remember that game, but I remember yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. You definitely are. And um, whenever I'm out there on the court, I just pretty much try to bring energy. Uh, I feel like that's – listen, it doesn't matter if make making shots, them. missing. Um, you can definitely bring energy each and every night. So.
0: How did you um, get the nickname "bull" or "young bull"? Who gave you this nickname?
1: Um, Well, back back in the day, I was always like the youngest on the court. Um, So um, growing up, they always said "young bull" out here playing, like um, it's basically like the young boy out here playing, and um, it it pretty much stuck with me. And then like once I hit high school, then everybody started saying "young bull," "young bull," and then everything was like "young bull" versus this school or "young bull" versus like young bull um, tournament he'll be playing so it just started picking up around um atlanta and then once it picked up around atlanta it really picked up everywhere else so uh and it's done where were you for you guys did not get to go
0: back to the bubble in orlando you're one of the eight teams that didn't go how did you stay in game shape
1: i stayed in shape just pretty much just by riding bikes, um getting in the gym when i could but i definitely just pretty much just Rode a lot of bikes and dribble and, and worked out at home. I had a had a good little uh, home workouts and I have have weights and stuff at home that I'm able to to use and I have buy I have I have a lot of stuff. So my um, trainer D Mill would give me workouts and I trained in um, Atlanta. He'll go through like a Zoom with me and uh, we I pretty much was in shape. I didn't miss a beat. And I was pretty much ready to go. Um, if if our Teams able to go to the bubble, but um, we didn't deserve to, to make the bubble because we didn't win enough games.
0: I, I heard that you, in fact, like biking so much that at Alabama, um, the coaching staff had to be like, hey, we hear you're making all these bike trips somewhere. We don't know where you're going. Can you tell us what in the heck you're doing on this bike? So what were you doing? Where were you going? And how did they find out about this?
1: Well, so when I was in Alabama, I didn't have a car or like any transportation. So um, I, I got a bike. Once I got my bike, um, pretty much was riding the bike anywhere, anywhere, anytime, um, like miles and miles away. And uh, I think it was one time, if, every, if, if anyone is from Alabama, they know like Sonics and the Sonics and the Walmart are pretty far from campus. Uh, it's like way by the highway. Um, so I think it had to be at least like at least way more than a couple of miles. Like I was I was riding four or five miles a day just to go get my food, put in my book bag and and riding and riding back on on campus. And then every day for practice, that was how I, I got to, to and from. Um because I was always the first one there. I was always the last one to leave. And then um afterwards, my coach had seen me, Coach Avery had seen me. Um, one time I was, I don't know, I, I think i at least probably like 10 miles away from the school, just riding my bike and just had my headphones in and just, just pretty much it was a nice day. And, um, Coach Avery, seen me, he's honking his arm. I didn't know who's was honking. So I stopped my bike and he pulled over and was like, like, what are you doing? Like, and then ever since then, um, the like managers had to pretty much just take me to the gym sometimes if they could. Um, or my teammates, uh, whenever. But I just just love riding biking. bike, and I still do. I used to do it every day in the summer. I think um, the most I did this past summer was like 55 miles uh, on the Comet Trail. So I I definitely enjoy enjoy riding bikes.
0: So speaking of Alabama, I obviously had heard of this game, but I had never seen it until today in preparation for this podcast, the famous game where you guys had to play an extended stretch three on five because of foul-outs and injuries. So in my head – I'm trying to envision what this looks like before I watch it. And I'm like, this is going to be absolutely wild. And then I watched it and it was even wilder than I thought it was going to be. So what was that experience like? And like, I bet you still talk to the two guys who were on the floor with you the whole game. Like that, that's something that you guys are going to share forever and ever. You almost won the game.
1: Yeah, we definitely almost won the game. So that game just pretty much is sticks out to, to any and everybody it just pretty much to shows that um, no matter if the odds are, are against you, you, you can continue to fight, continue to move forward. And I felt like that game just showed that um, it, was a, it was a together thing. It was us three against pretty much the world. It was against the whole other team. And um, that's how we pretty much tried to finish the game. And uh, we was like, we just got to cut the league, got to cut the league. And, um Galen and, and Riley, we was out there. We just continued to say, let's keep going. Let's keep going. And you can feel the energy shifting in the building from Minnesota fans wanting to see us win because it was like a home game. for It's, for it's his, they, history. It's history. Yeah. So they, was, they, they started chanting defense. They started pretty much just started screaming buds. And it was amazing to see. And um, to just continued to fight. And um, to get, and I think we lose by three, four points. Um, that's amazing. That game right there, you supposed to be a blowout, but we just continue to fight, and uh, Coach Avery, he just continued to coach, and I felt like that's going to be, that's going to stick out for forever.
0: Let's get into some funny behind-the-scenes Colin Sexton things. Um, your car was popcorned as a rookie by Tristan Thompson, who stuck, I don't know how many bags of popcorn inside yeah. your car. So I don't even want to know what the process is of cleaning that out. Um, I, I assume you've that out to somebody. Now, now, have you engaged in that? Now you're a veteran. Have you done any rookie hazing to the rookies? Or are you like, it was bad for me. I don't want to do it to anybody
1: else. No, I'm not. I'm not that type of person. I just, listen, I, I'm going to let them be. Um, especially last year, like Darius and KPB, and now Now, I, I don't do any of that. Just the simple fact that uh, I didn't want any other done on me. So, um, but I'm gonna. I I'll let him off the hook. For sure. What?
0: What do you do with the popcorn? Do you have to take it? Do you have to? I don't even. Is do you dump well, it out in the parking lot? What? What happens to the popcorn?
1: Well, it's it's a process. You just gotta pretty much just drive drive with the with the windows down, with the back open. You just gotta drive and just hopefully some of the popcorn gets out. Then you gotta take it to multiple multiple car washes and multiple uh, vacuum places because and the, the popcorn was in the air vents. It, it was all over, like, my car smelled like, popcorn for probably easily, probably, probably, like, three, four weeks, probably three, four weeks easily, and I still was finding popcorn, and like, once I opened different things, like, it, it was all over the place, and, um, the seats, the seats were, like, it was almost ruined, but, because it was, like, butter popcorn, it was almost ruined, but, uh, it wasn't too bad,
0: and I believe his stated reason for this was that you did not get enough donuts for the veterans. But I, yeah. you know,
1: he, yeah, he tried to say I didn't get enough donuts, but uh, he forgot we, we had met at the arena that day. Um, he, when we meet at the arena, you do not get donuts, but it's all good. I think they wanted to wanted to give me anyway. I have heard, I have heard that uh, you're
0: one you're one of many players who goes to chapel before games. I have heard, and I was told to ask you. Colin has a specific chair in the chapel that is his chair and some new players that have come to the Cavs by trade or free 10 days or whatever have made the mistake of sitting in that chair because they don't know that it's his and he will politely tell them, or somebody will politely tell them, no, no, that's, that's Colin's chair. So what, is it a particular location? What is it about this chair?
1: Uh, it's a, it's a particular uh, location of the chair, not even like it's something that I sit in for for three years. I haven't missed the chapel yet, and uh, each chapel, I, I try to sit in that same chair. And um, whenever, like, new guys or uh, someone that we just got in training, I let them know, like, yo, this is my seat. I got I to gotta get you out of it. Like, you got to move here. And um, they always respect it, um, just the fact that. Yeah, I'm not trying to, trying to do anything. Get up. Like, I'm, I'll come to them politely and, and ask them. That's how it goes.
0: Now, I heard and I didn't read much about it, but I heard that you did some voter registration work in Georgia leading up to I don't know if it was both the general election and the, yeah, the Senate. Uh, re- so tell me about that. What did you do? Are you gratified by the outcome? Like, like, you know, your state was the center of the political universe for a long while there.
1: Yeah, well, um, with that, I just wanted to just try to reach the, the youth um, in my generation. Just to provide, just let them know that. Um, your vote counts. Uh, End day, your vote is your voice. And I know a lot of people didn't even register. A lot of people don't don't think voting is is big and voting is important. So um, for me, just to be able to reach the college the college students and um, a little bit older than college students, because we realized it was a lot of college students who weren't registered to vote who don't believe in voting. So. Uh, for me to be able to have an impact and change um, the way they thought and for them to get out and vote, um, it's amazing.
0: Without naming names, I wonder how many members of your team do you think will take the vaccine when it becomes available? Is it something you guys have talked about? Is it something you guys have debated the merits of on flights and bus rides?
1: Um no, we we haven't talked about that um when we're on flights and bus rides pretty much, just because we have a pretty much a strict, like a strict little thing where they don't want us like um talking too much ahead of because like we don't want to be like, oh, you you gonna get it or you got it and stuff like that. So it's turning stuff that we just make sure we don't we don't talk about and communicate. And mostly when we're talking on the bus and in planes, we always talk about like, animals. We are talking about Geography. We're, we're talking about so much other stuff. Animals um, and geography. Yeah, yeah. What is an animal
0: conversation that has come up on the Cleveland Cavaliers team playing?
1: Uh, well, if a lion is is uh, chasing you your fifty yards, uh, mm-hmm. would you get to your house if you're at a hundred yards? Different things like that. Like if if some if an animal was coming after you, or would you try to fight this animal over this animal? D- different things like that. And uh it pretty much is, is like very debatable and we enjoy it. before you know we've been talking about animals and, animals and different things for about an hour now. So this is what
0: you're things. doing. You're visualizing scenarios where deadly animals are chasing you. And what yeah. what would you who has anyone had a very creative answer to this lion problem? Has anyone come up with a great solution to this?
1: Um not a great solution, but Dotson believes that he he can outrun anything. Damien Dotson
0: it's, believes he's outrunning a lion. Yeah. With his adrenaline.
1: I feel like if you got enough adrenaline, um, you can, you can do a whole lot, which Larry is the one that always tries to break everybody down. No, you're getting caught. Like <laughs> Larry's always the one that's just thinking about the outcome. Think about what's going to happen. Well, look, as much as Larry Nance
0: Jr. doesn't want to be there, or maybe I, I don't want to support him being a buzzkill, but he's right. Damian Dotson is in bad shape. If a <laughs> lion is chasing him across the desert, it's not going to work out well. <laughs> um, what's, the biggest, what's the biggest part of your game that as we get to the halfway point of the season that, okay, you're proving yourself as a scorer, your passing's gotten better. Like, is there a particular, either end of the ball, is there a particular part of your game that you're like, I want to drill down on this and really make, it, make a leap at this? Just continue to get
1: better on the defensive side, as well as my decision making, Um, and just continue to to make sure I hit guys when they're open. Make sure I continue to to run the show. Continue to to do whatever is asked when I'm out there. Like I got to go guard this defender and make sure he doesn't get open shots. And that's what I'm gonna do. So pretty much just doing whatever is asked and whatever the team needs me to do that night, and so we can come out with a victory.
0: You, are you guys surprised to be 9-9, nine and nine, or did you think coming into the season, like, hey, you know, wh- we, we, we get 10 teams now where we get this playing tournament. Like, why, why couldn't we be in it?
1: Um, well, we all had pretty much a chip on our shoulder um, going into the summer and going into, like, the first little bubble that we had. We came together, and we wanted to we wanted to, to be a playoff team. So when it was like that, we all talked about it this whole summer when we had our little Zooms and when we wasn't, like, together. We just made sure, like, we stayed connected. Made sure we communicated with one another, and um, I feel like it helps. Once you build trust off the court, it rolls on onto the court. And um, we're nine and nine right now, but I, not yeah, nine and nine right now. But I feel like uh, if we didn't have a few injuries, myself, Darius, um, Larry, Kevin, um, I feel like we, can, even, we could have had a few more wins than, than just nine. So um, we just continue to fight and continue to be better each and every day. That's all
0: can have. You mentioned chip on your shoulder. And I'm interested to hear that because, you know, for the last 20 years or whatever, the Cavs have either had LeBron and been really good or not mm-hmm. had LeBron and been completely off the radar screen. Nobody's paying attention. Nobody cares. And you are the symbol of this trade that, oh, that was the beginning of how it unraveled and all this. I don't really believe yeah. that that's true. There were a lot of things that went into that trade. But I wonder if there's a certain appeal to you and particularly the other young guys of of, hey, yeah, you know this is Cleveland, it's not l a it's not New York, it's not Golden State, it's not a sexy franchise, but like let's make let's make it ours let's make it let's let's yeah. get this team that's been Lebron and nothing let's
1: let's make something of it. Is there some appeal to that um, absolutely. we want to change the culture as a as a group and as an organization you know we want to change the culture and become winners um at the end of the day, it, it's fun to win, and we all understand that. We understand that wins aren't easy, and we understand that um, no one person can do it, um, do it, do it by itself. So, with that being said, we all we love Cleveland. Cleveland is a hardworking, working city, and we feel like we're hard workers, and uh, that's why we always have have the team behind us, the fans, the organization. They're always behind us because they understand that we're going to just continue to push, continue to get better. And I feel like this year uh, we're going to make that jump and try to surprise the teams and, and try to get in the playoffs. I've
0: saved the last, the, the, the most important question for last. I'm bracing myself for an answer that I don't like, but I have to ask the question anyway. Can we make sex land a thing or are you, are you anti-sex land? What is your stance on sex land? Because you are, the First half of Sexland, so your voice is very important here. Well, it definitely is
1: the thing now. Uh, with, with DG coming back and uh, us being out there playing together, and Larry he, he loves it, Larry loves it, and Eric the fans love it, and uh, a lot of guys love it. So, uh, it's probably going to probably be here to stay. So, uh, we just gotta just take it. And roll that was
0: it. not an endorsement of
1: Sexland. I just have to
0: note that was not a full throated endorsement. <laughs> Oh, yeah,
1: I got you,
0: but I feel like it's going to be here to stay, okay. That sounds like me saying, "I have to vacuum the house this weekend. I just have to accept that it's something I have to do
1: i think I think it is something that we have to accept because the fans oh they love it. I've been seeing posters, everything um when they're at the game. And- is, is okay. all right saying.
0: look it's clear you don't love it but I think it's going to grow on you I think it's we're going to we're going right. to basically going continue growing. Colin you've been very generous with your time you're in New York to play the Knicks I guess I've lost track of the schedule and where everybody is mm-hmm. um, it's been awesome watching you break out this year I think you got a shot to make an all-star and I've always enjoyed my trips to Cleveland I know all my good restaurants there now I am okay. anxious to have a reason to get back so congratulations on a great start to the season and keep it up thank you appreciate it And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream TV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel?
1: Choke up on the remote, buddy.
0: I hope getting all these games on TV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. TV has the most MLB games. Call one 800 TV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks.
1: Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.